Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. to Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 6. So today, um, on this topic of obeying the Lord, uh, on Deuteronomy 28, 1, 6, it says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will, God will send you high above all the nations on the on earth, all the things, all the blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord. You will bless in the, you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The future of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land and the young of your life, live, livestock, the calves of the herds, and the lamb of the flocks. Your baskets and your kneading through will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come, and you will. And you will be blessed when you come and go. So this is what it's saying is like when you when you obey and stuff, you will be blessed with everything that you have yeah. and stuff. And then also 
I had something to say, which is just because you can't see God, can't see God doesn't mean He isn't real. Yeah. And because just because you don't see Him doesn't mean you don't have to obey Him. Because right. like you, I can see Pap and like I can obey, obey Him and like, or my parents, I would say like they'd be like, oh, go clean your room or something, and be like, oh, okay. But just because you can't see Him doesn't mean you, like He tells you something doesn't mean you don't have to obey Him just because you don't see Him and stuff. And so the next verse I would like to look at is Hebrews 11.8. And Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not want to go where he was going. So what this says is, like, even though you don't want to face hard trials and stuff in life, you still got to face those because that's what makes you stronger and stuff in God and stuff. And then also uh, God tells us to obey him, and he will have, and you have a good life. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Okay. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is mother, which which is the first commandment with a promise, so that you may go well with your, go well with you, and that you may enjoy a uh, long life on earth. Fathers, do not. Okay, that's where I stopped. Three, my bad. Okay, so you obey your mother and father just like you would your heavenly father. So just be, so you should obey your like mother and father on earth, but you should also obey your heavenly father even more and stuff. So I like that verse a lot because it's like talking like, oh, justice, you should obey your mother and father. (laughs) 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 Obey him not to just, obeying him doesn't mean just sitting around and eating ice cream, drinking beer, and watching Bikini Bottoms on Spongebob. (laughs) (laughs) It, it It means get up and go do it, like when he said. I like like how Peter, when Peter, um, when God said walk on the water, he didn't just sit around on the boat. He got up and walked on water. Yeah. And then my last verse is Jonah three three. Yep, Jonah three three. Give me a second. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I'm almost there. There we go. So Jonah 3.3 3 says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. I don't know how to say that. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And so he obeyed the Lord and left and then went along. So that's all I have for you tonight. <laughs> drink beer, and watch Spongebob. Period. I love it. Judah, that was great. I'm going to save our challenge actually for the end of the night. So at the end of this message, we will challenge our next person. But I actually want to issue a challenge to everyone in the room. Can I tell you something that made me really proud of you guys? Last week when we were sharing about summer camp, first of all, you guys all did amazing. You were a 10. It was wonderful. But the thing that struck me the most and made me so excited and proud was so many of you got up here and said something really simple like this. Since camp, I've been reading my Bible every day. 
I love it. That's like the whole goal of summer camp. Summer camp is great, and it's wonderful if we have a good time there. But I'm really interested in what we come home and do after summer camp. So to those of you who said that, that made me really proud. And I know that more people are doing that than those that said they were doing it. But I actually want to do, together as a family, a 30-day Bible reading challenge. Are you interested? You don't have to read the whole Bible or even a whole part of the Bible in 30 days. So don't freak out. This is not the 30-day shred of January. This is an easy July to August 30-day reading plan, okay? So, Teeks, if you'll put something up on the screen for me, those of you who have phones, if you'll open your Bible app, we can do this in real time right now. Go ahead and open your Bible app. If you don't have a phone, you're not left out. I have it on paper for you, and I'm an old fogey, so I too will be using paper even at home. Once you open your Bible app, at the bottom you'll see a button that says plans. And when you hit plans, I want you to search Letters of Paul 30-Day Bible Study. I'll give you a second to find it. It looks like it does on the screen here. This is going to be your Bible reading challenge. So you can actually, like, add that plan to your plans, and it will lay the whole thing out for you days 1 through 30. So basically, this is set up where every day you're going to read one chapter from Psalms and one chapter from one of Paul's letters in the New Testament. So it's really easy. It's two chapters. It's super simple. But we are all going to do this together. Now, if you don't have a phone or you don't have it with you, I actually printed out all 30 days for you as well. So take one of these before you go home today. It has day one. It's going to be Galatians 1 and Psalms chapter 1. And you just go down from day one to day 30. It is impossible to mess up. Are you guys willing to take this challenge? A 30-day Bible challenge. I'm getting really into challenges. There's a leader I look up to. His name is Pastor Chad Veach. He's always doing these challenges. Challenges. But the cool thing is he does them just for 30 days. And it doesn't mean that after 30 days he doesn't keep that good habit. But for instance, he does some things that could be really challenging like 30 days, no coffee. 30 days running every day, no days off. 30 days of doing something that's challenging at a pace that you maybe wouldn't normally do it. The point is just to prove to your body and your mind that they're not in charge. Your spirit's in charge. You're in charge of your own self. You can do hard things. You can skip coffee for 30 days. You can go on a run every day for 30 days. Or in our case, we can all read the Bible without missing a day for 30 days straight. Do you guys feel good about that? I do. I believe in you wholeheartedly. It'll be really simple. So I'm going to have these papers up here. You can grab one before you leave tonight. We'll pass them out at the end. And also at the end, we will challenge our next five minutes as fire speaker. But Judah Boger, that was wonderful. Let's give it up for him one more time. I loved it. It was great. Was this your first public speaking engagement? Okay. 10 out of 10. Loved it. All right, guys. Well, tonight I'm just going to have a really short message for you. And it's called Don't Look Back. Don't look back. So, like I told you, one thing that I'm so proud of and excited about is that you guys came home from camp, and you didn't just say, like, oh, the services were great, I felt God's presence, it was more powerful than ever. You guys came home and said, I'm living my daily life differently than I was before, which is amazing. That is the whole point. If you're reading your Bible more than you were before, then that means summer camp was successful to me. If you're worshiping or listening to worship music more than you did before camp, that means summer camp was successful for me. So I'm so proud of you guys, but I want to see this trend continue because I'll remind us all, we know this, but the longer that we... Get away from a powerful experience, 
the more temptation there is to let things slip. And that's why tonight's message is called Don't Look Back. And I actually pulled this from a story out of the Old Testament. Teeks, I didn't give you this because it was really long, so you don't have to worry about it. But it says this. It's Genesis 20, 15 through 17, and then 23 through 26. So I'm just shortening the story up for you guys. But basically, there was a city, and the city was about to be wiped out and destroyed. So God sent some angels to tell this guy Lot, that was his name, L-O-T, told him to get out of the city. He said, you have a bad name, but I would like to save your life. You need to leave because this city is going to be destroyed. Get your wife, get your daughters. You need to go now. This is what happened. Lot reached the village just as the sun was rising over the horizon, and the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. That was the city that was getting destroyed. He utterly destroyed them, along with the other cities and villages of the plain, wiping out all people in every bit of vegetation. Here's the part we want to look at. But Lot's wife looked back as she was falling behind him, and she turned into a pillar of salt. She literally dissolved into a pile of salt because she looked back to the place that God told them to leave. So I want to challenge you today to say, hey, whatever God led you out of at summer camp, don't look back. Don't look back. And right now, we're in the easy time, right? We're in summer still. Our schedules are just not there. We're sleeping until noon. We're staying up until 4. We're eating Cheetos for every meal, right? It's just that weird, weird time of year where you're just doing nothing until sports start again, right? Doing nothing until you're back to school. So right now, there may not be a lot of pressure, but it's been my experience as a youth pastor for over a decade that as soon as people set foot back into school, a lot of things can change, and a lot of pressure comes, and there's a lot of influence that wants to push you back to the place God brought you out of. So that's what I want to encourage you about tonight. Hey, be aware. Be aware. You've made progress, and I'm proud. I believe you went into camp one way, and you came out different. And I am so grateful and excited about that. And we can continue to be grateful and excited, but I also want you to be wise and realize there are things and people and situations that are going to try to push you back to the place that you came and push you back to the old habits, push you back to the old relationships, push you back to the old ways of thinking. And I want to challenge you tonight, don't look back. God had brought Lot and his wife out of a place of destruction. And when Lot's wife looked back, she experienced the same destruction as the city. She wasn't in that city anymore. She wasn't around those people. But because she looked back, she too was destroyed. No, I'm not trying to scare you. I don't think God's going to turn you into a pile of salt. I don't even know what a pillar of salt is, to be honest. I can imagine a pile of salt. I don't know what a pillar of salt is. But it's a very powerful illustration to say, hey, when God has brought you out of something destructive, don't even look back at it. Don't even look back at it. And another, another story that illustrates this really beautifully is in Mark 8. Teeks, sorry, I didn't give you this one either because it's very long. Teeks is not messing up. I just gave her the short stuff tonight. Mark 8, 23 to 26 says this. And they came to Bethsaida, and that was a city, and some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch him. Taking the blind man by the hand, he led him out of the village, and after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on them, he said, do you see anything? So the man looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. 
Then again, Jesus laid his hands on his eyes, and the man stared intently, and his sight was completely restored, and he began to see everything clearly. And Jesus sent him to his home, but he said this, do not even enter the village. Now, we're not given a lot of detail here, but we see two things that are really interesting. Number one, this guy was in a place where he needed Jesus to do a miracle in his life. And I believe that you guys received miracles at summer camp. I certainly feel that way about myself. But what happened was Jesus needed to lead him out of the village. He ministered to him healing. And then he said, go home, but don't go back into the village. Now, he doesn't tell us why, but one thing we can kind of pick up on here is that that man, when he was in the village, was not in a place where he could be healed, right? Yeah. Jesus led him out of the village, yeah. then healed him, and then said, hey, don't go back to the village. It seems to me that he's implying there, if you go back, you might lose what I just gave you. I had to take you out of that place to give you the healing and the freedom that I had for you. But I'm telling you, don't go back to the village because you might not be able to keep what you received. What is he saying? Listen, God brings us to a place where we can receive healing and deliverance and freedom. And he is so gracious to give those things freely to us. And one thing that's amazing about summer camp is it really is an environment where people can receive anything, right? We leave our friends at home. We leave distractions at home. There's no TV. We're able to spend several days just focused on God. And that really puts us in a position to receive from him and to hear his voice and to take all that he has for us. But listen... He said, don't go back into the village. And I believe that same word is true for us tonight. Whatever God brought you out of at summer camp, don't go back into it or you will struggle to remain free. And it's not God punishing you and it's not that God doesn't care about you and it's not that God only moved at summer camp and he can't move now. But we sometimes just put ourselves in places that don't um, facilitate our freedom and we get really confused about why we're struggling again right right two people yeah I've been there before I've been there saying like well why am I having a hard time with this and when the Holy Spirit shows me it's because I'm not doing the things that I know to do I let some things slip I went back into bad habits pay attention to what was removed from your life at summer camp that made it easy for you to be free what did you do without a summer camp that made it easy for you to hear God's voice? Don't go back. Don't go back. And one thing I wanted to challenge you about tonight in particular is going back to the same group of friends and the people that are around you. All right? I'm not telling you to get rid of all your friends. I'll say that up front. But I just want to have this discussion. Okay? I just want to have this discussion. Because it is true that in life, you are not going to do what's right if you're surrounded by people who are doing what's wrong. Too many people act super confused about why they have some bad habits and, and why they're struggling with things. And I'm like, well, everyone around you is doing those things. So you're, you're not setting yourself up for success. If you want to be successful, you need to be around successful people. If you want to live free from sin, you need to surround yourself with people who have that same goal to live free from sin. And I want to remind you that you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. There's a verse here in um, Teagues. I'm sorry. I'm going out of order tonight. It's not your guys. Just say it's not Tegan's fault. Everyone thinks it's Tegan's fault. It's not Tegan's fault. I promise. It is not 
Tegan's fault. So I'm, I'm going a little off script for her. But listen, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that any man who is in Christ Jesus is a new creature. You're made totally new in Jesus. When we get saved, that happens. Our spirit becomes alive and we're made new. But I believe that every time we encounter God and encounter his presence and allow him to change us, it's like we're new again, right? I'm changing every day if I'm doing things right because I'm encountering God. I'm allowing his presence and his word to change me. So it sometimes is feeling like I'm just new all the time because of the goodness of God and his power in my life. But I was just struck by this thought, listen, you need to surround yourself with people that are interested in the new you and not the old you. You have been made new in Jesus, but you have to realize some of your friends only knew the old you and they won't like the new you. Your friends who liked you drunk might not like you sober. Your friends who liked you when you were mean and gossipy and nasty might not like you when you're being kind, right? Your friends who liked you when you were high might not like you now that you're interested in clean living. Your friends who love to blare whatever music in the car, they might not like you as much now that you want to turn on worship music in the car. That's okay. It is okay. You need to find people that love and support the new you instead of pushing you back into the old you. And I'm not here to say that your friends are bad or that they're bad people or anything like that because... Like we talked about at camp, sinners will sin, lost people are lost. That's why they act the way that they do. But here's what you've got to be clear about. When you've been made new and God has brought you out of things, you need to live in that and walk that out every day. The new me is not just a church me, and it's not just a camp me, and it's not just a me when I'm in a good mood and a me on a good day. That's me every day now. I'm committed to be who God made me when he made me new. I want to be the free me. I want to be the kind me. I want to be the joyful me. I want to be the me that worships and is consistent with my prayer and my Bible reading. I'm committed to be that person every day. So I'm not saying that you need to just tell everyone to get out of your life. But I am saying commit to be that new person every day. And when people don't like it, let them leave. You actually don't really have to kick people out of your life. They will just go if they don't like you anymore. (laughs) And it's a little easier that way. It's okay. It's okay. If they get in your car and they think it's weird that you have a preaching podcast on, well, they might want to stop getting in your car, but that's okay. Don't take it personal. Just pray for them. And listen, it's been so cool the number of times where uh, people have wanted to leave my life because I wanted to live right and they didn't. Uh, But those same people have come back sometimes a few years later and like into adulthood to talk to me and say, hey, will you pray for me? Hey, I've been thinking about coming back to church. Hey, you know, will you talk to me about this? I'm having this problem. Those people know where to go for help when they need it. When they are ready to receive Jesus, they'll know who to talk to. But I want to encourage you, don't let people push you back into that old person. You commit to being the new person every day. Some of your friends, you know what, will join in with you. Some of them will say like, hey, well, what are you doing this weekend? And when you say that you're going to church and you invite them, some of them will come. So let them come. Pick them up. Some of them are going to think it's weird, and that's okay. If they need to exit your life, they'll do it and just let them because it's okay. You've been made new, and you need to find people who love the new you and who love the you that God has called you to be. I want to read a couple of verses 
about who you're around. The first is in Proverbs 13, 20. The New Living says it like this, walk with the wise and become wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. The message says it like this, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out, oh, whoops. <laughs> I read the message the first time. Guys, I, prom I promise I have it together tonight, okay? I had just a lot of verses and I was feeling really bad for Tegan. This is what the New Living says. Walk with the wise and become wise, but associate with fools and get in trouble. The Bible is telling us if you hang out with the wrong people, you will get in trouble and your life will fall to pieces. I don't want that for you. And I'm not trying to be dramatic, and I'm not, again, trying to say all your friends are bad or this or that and the other, right? That's not what I'm saying. But I am asking you, who are the people that you really let speak into your life? And be honest about this. Who are the people that influence you? There are people that I had to quit hanging out with because they influenced me too much in the wrong direction. You have to sometimes be honest and say, you know what? <laughs> I was feeling strong, but when I'm around that person, they are influencing me too much in the wrong direction. So that's not a person that needs to have influence in my life. If you walk with fools, you will experience destruction and your life will fall to pieces. Would you like to know what else the Bible says? Yeah. These verses were so fun. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this. Don't be fooled by those who say such things because bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. And sometimes we put so much stock into thinking that we are good, right? Because I know what I believe, and I know what my morals are, and I know what I stand for, right? And I truly believe that everyone knows what they stand for until they're just around the wrong group of people. There are so many people who've done things that were against their morals and against their beliefs and against their standards because they surrounded themselves with the wrong people. And again, I'm not trying to be like too hardcore on this tonight, but I just want to speak wisdom to you because I value what God did in your life so much. I want you to be able to keep it, and I want you to keep moving forward in it. The Bible also says this in Proverbs 22. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people. You will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. The message says it like this. Don't hang out with angry people or keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. Realize that the people that you hang around are contagious. They are bringing something to your life, period. It's not up for debate. The people that are in my life are bringing something to my life. And I've told you this before. This is just me being really honest. There's been people, even as an adult, a grown adult in my 30s, people that I like, people that I enjoy being around, and people that I want to hang out with. But guess what? I can't hang out with them because there's stuff in their life that's contagious. And when I get around them, I can feel that trying to get on me. And I've got to make that decision. Listen, nope, that's contagious and I don't need it in my life. So that is not a person that I can hang out with. That's not a person that needs to have influence in my life. So who are you letting speak into your life and how are they influencing you? Because what's going on in their life is contagious. And I also want to challenge you with this thought tonight too. I have just a couple more things to share. But I hope that this is coming across in the way that you realize how much I care about you. Because I've seen so many people, so many gifts and callings 
and incredible people whose lives just got completely derailed by bad relationships and wrong influences. And they were people who worshiped dramatically on Sunday and people who were in leadership positions and people that I looked up to and that spoke into my life and were examples to me. And still, when they started hanging out with the wrong people, their life just nosedived overnight. It was insane. It was hard, actually, to believe with a couple of them. If you had told me what their life would look like, I wouldn't have even believed you. Because I thought, no, I know these people inside and out. This person's one of my best friends. This person is someone I look up to. This person is actually someone that keeps me on the straight and narrow. If we're saying, who's the good influence in this relationship? It's actually them most of the time. They're giving me attitude checks. They're asking me about what I'm doing. It was those kind of situations. And within just a matter of months, these people's lives dramatically transformed just because of who they hung around. So I want to remind you tonight of this truth. Your destiny is altered by who you're around. And this is where I'm going to ask you to think maturely and to play the long game. You have to realize middle school is a super short time in your life. And high school is a super short time in your life. But what you're called to do and who God has made you to be, that is meant to be your entire life. That is something you can start walking in now and that you are to continue to grow in forever. And the reality is that people come and people go. So I know that it's, uh, it can be difficult to see that when you're in a season that feels long, right? Middle and high school, they're short, but they feel long. I'll give you that. They feel really long, right? College feels really long. It's not long, but it feels really long, except for people who got their master's degree. Then it actually is really long. But for just the, the associate people, the bachelor people, the rest of us, it's not that long, but it feels that way. But I want to encourage you, play the long game because your destiny is altered by who you're around. It says this in Galatians 5. You were running the race so well. Who held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he's the one who called you to freedom. So what is he saying? Paul is saying, hey, you were running your race really well. Who stepped in and stopped you? Who stepped in and stopped you? Realize that letting the wrong people in your life has the ability to stop you from running with what God has for you. It has the ability to stop you from stepping into your call. It has the ability to stop you from hearing from God. And it actually has the ability not just to stop you, but again, to push you back into what you already came out of. 2 Corinthians 6 says it this way. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? And how can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And I love the way it says it. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. So let me bring some clarity here. I'm not saying every person in your life has to be a Christian, has to live exactly the way you do. There's a lot of people in my life who aren't Christians or who don't live the way that I do. But I am saying, who's on your team? He says it this way, don't team up with unbelievers. If you're on a team, those are people that you see almost every day, right, during the season. Those are people that you know really, really well, right? You can actually even anticipate their moves during a game, right? You know what's going to happen if this happens and that person is there. Why? Because you're on a team. You are trained to play together. So that's what I'm asking you tonight. Who are you building your team out of? 
There's going to be a lot of people in your life, and that is fine. But I am asking, who's on your team? Who are you training yourself to play with? Who are you training yourself to really do life together, right? Who's going to know you inside and out? Who's going to speak into your life? Who's going to call the plays when things are going on? That's who I'm talking about tonight. Who's really on your team? Because there's a lot of situations that we're put into that we can't control, right? You can't control who's in your classes at school. You can't control who, uh, you know, is in the lunchroom. You're not going to be able to to... You're not going to be able to control who your coworkers are or, you know, stuff like that. I understand there's a lot we can't control. But what we can control is the people that we build a team with. Being around someone doesn't mean that they have to have influence in your life. Going to school with someone doesn't mean they have to be on your team for life. Working with someone doesn't mean that they have to be somebody who's talking in your ear all the time. Those are the people that you get to choose. So don't team up with people who don't believe the things that God has said about your life. If it's somebody, here's a a couple tips. If you can't talk to that person about what you feel called to do, they don't belong on your team. They can be in your life, but they don't belong on your team. If you can't text that person a Bible verse that you read today that you thought was really great, if if it would feel weird to text that to them, That's not somebody who belongs on your team. If it's not somebody that you can text and say, hey, I'm struggling today. Will you pray for me? Then that's not somebody who belongs on your team. Ask yourself these easy easy questions. Who really belongs on my team? And then make the decisions based on that. And I'm not saying you need to be rude to people or mean to people, like I said, or just right and left cut people out of your life. There is a time and place for cutting people out of your life. But tonight I'm really just talking about finding the people who need to have a voice in your life. And like I said, when you choose to be the new you and the you God has created you to be, a lot of people are just going to fall away naturally. So just let it happen. And ask God to send the right people into your life. Ask God to show you who needs to have a voice in your life. And one thing I really love about the church and our church is that it exposes me to people that I need on my team that I never would have picked or never would have known, or never would have naturally met. People that are different ages than me. There's people on my team that are older and people that are younger. There's people of all different colors and different races and different backgrounds and different life stories and different perspectives. And the truth is, I probably would have never found those people on my own because we like to seek out people that make us comfortable, which is usually people exactly like us. But what did the Bible say earlier? If the blind lead the blind, they will both fall into a ditch. So I do not need someone who's like me because that means we will be blind in the same areas. If you're just like me and you hold my views, you will probably not see the 17 things that I am doing wrong that I also don't see, right? There is value in having people on your team that are completely different than you. The best relationships in my life have been those that challenge me. They weren't always comfortable. They weren't even always fun. Sometimes they made me irritated when they said something like to correct my bad attitude. Sometimes I was irritated about it. But you know what? When I got in the car and I drove home, I was like, yeah, they were right. And then I called them and said, I'm sorry. You were right. I had a bad attitude about that, right? I need those people to challenge me. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron, so one friend can sharpen another. But if you watch how they sharpen things, it's actually a lot of friction. I have learned that the people that challenge me and make me uncomfortable sharpen me the most. 
those are the kind of relationships that I need, but I might not seek out on my own because they're a little uncomfortable. But you know what? The church has brought them into my life. The church has unified people into a family that look completely different and have completely different experiences. So I'm saying that to say there's a lot of people, adults too, not just teens and and youth and, and stuff, but a lot of adults who will say, well, I just don't feel like I connect with anyone here. Right? I want to have good friends. I want to have the right friends. But, you know, people at church, it's like I just don't connect with them. What they're really saying is these people are not like me, so they make me a little uncomfortable. These people are not like me, so they make me a little uncomfortable. We're going to have to learn to be okay with some discomfort when we run into people who are there to sharpen us. And I'm not talking about people who are being mean or anything like that. So don't read that the wrong way. But like I said, I've had some great friendships where I've been maybe complaining about something and they've said, well, have you thought of maybe this? Have you looked at it this way? Or maybe they've even just said, you know what? I don't think you're right. I think you have a bad attitude about that. And that's why you responded that way. We can all get mad when someone calls out our attitude and doesn't take our side, but that's what we need. Iron sharpens iron. So I want to challenge you. Find people in your church that can be on your team. If people come into your life and you feel drawn to them in the church, go ahead and start a relationship with them. This has happened to me many times. When I've been serving at church, I have been around some older women, people who are older than me by like 30 years. I would have never probably picked to hang out with those people. I wouldn't have ever thought that they wanted to hang out with me either. But when we're out there spreading mulch on landscaping day and I'm talking to this lady, I'm like, I really like you, you know? And years later, I have a great relationship with her. Or when I worked with somebody in preschool and I thought like, wow, they're really great at what they do. Like they're so great working with these kids. They're really great at taking complex issues in the Bible and making them simple enough for a four-year-old. Like, wow, that's so cool. Some of those people I'm great friends with today, and I have a great relationship just because I was exposed to them through serving with them. So listen, be open to the relationships God sends in your life. And if they feel challenging, consider that they might actually be sharpening you. Challenge is not bad. Take a deep breath and listen to what they're saying. And you might get in your car a little grouchy, but when things get quiet and you talk to God about it, you may see, you know what? Yes, they were right. They might have told me that they didn't like my girlfriend and that they think I should dump her. But now that I'm thinking about their points, I feel like there might be some truth to that, right? We've all been there. We've all needed input from people who see things differently than we do. So don't be scared or intimidated by relationships that challenge you. And I'll end here. Proverbs 18:24 says this, friends come and go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. Friends come and go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. So this is what I was encouraging you earlier. If people want to leave your life because of the new you and how you're living, just go ahead and let them because God will bring you true friends that stick in your life like family. When everybody leaves and when you have friends that decide they're not interested in the way you're living, look around and see who's left. And then realize that those are probably people God has brought into your life to encourage you in this season. Friends come and friends go, but a true friend will stick by you like family. And I know sometimes, too, I I know some of you in the room have had 
um, just friends mistreat you or maybe you're a little bit nervous to connect with others because you've had a lot of friends walk in and out of your life. But just realize that when you serve in the, God, the places God has called you to and when you plug into the church that he's called you to, he's going to bring great friends into your life. They, like I said, might be different ages. They might look different than you. They might be somebody you never expected to be friends with. But a true friend will stick by you like family. And we have to realize that's what God has called us to be is family, right? The Bible literally says, hey, when you get saved, you are now in God's family. He's the father and we're his children. And so we're brothers and sisters. So don't go back into the things God delivered you from. Don't walk back into that place that he walked you out of at camp and realize that because you're a new person and you're in a new place, you might need new friends and that's okay. You might need new friends and you might notice that some people leave your life and that's okay. You be the new person that God has called you to be. You be the new free person that God brought out of summer camp. You be the person who's committed to a 30-day Bible challenge. Be that person, and when you are living the way that God has called you to live, he'll bring friends alongside you who are committed to live that same way. And I know, I know that it can be really painful when friends leave. I know it can be boring on Friday when you know everyone is at a party and you're not like, I literally remember this one time in high school, I was driving to a party that God told me not to go to. And people at church were throwing it. So, like, it seemed fine on the surface, but I found out after the fact it was good that I didn't go. But I was literally driving there, and I just had to pull over my Hunter Green minivan that I drove at the time and be like, ah, got it, ah, fine, fine. So I turn around, I go home. As I'm going home, my phone is, like, blowing up with people who are like, are you coming? Are you I'm not even kidding. My phone is never blown up with people wanting me to come to anything except that night when God told me to go home. They were calling. They were calling. I lied because I was embarrassed, and I was like, I'm having, I'm having car trouble. And they said, well, no biggie. We'll come get you. And I had to be like, no, you can't. I, I, I got to go home. So I shouldn't have lied. Don't lie. I was embarrassed. But anyway... You know, I turned around and I went home and my parents were like, what are you doing back? And I was like, I don't even know. I don't know. I'm just not going. And so my point is that I know what it's like to be home and not at the party. Uh, But I can tell you now, as somebody who's over a decade removed from that, I'm so grateful that I listened to the Holy Spirit. I'm so grateful that I didn't get involved in those relationships that he told me not to because I was easily influenced. I didn't think that I was at the time because I was 17 and very grown with a big old ego and a minivan. But now, looking back, you know, I just, I wasn't strong the way that I thought I was. I could not have handled the pressure that I would have been under. And I'm so grateful that I turned around and went home and spent Friday night with my parents instead of at a party. So listen, if you need to spend some Friday nights with your parents instead of at a party, that's fine. If you need to text some of us old people in the room and hang out with us on a Friday night instead of your young, cool friends, that is also fine. (laughs) We're very down to hang out. Very down for plans on the weekends. But my point is that we have your back. We are cheering you on. And we love you guys very much. You guys feeling okay tonight? All right. I know that that was like a lot. It was one of those times where I said a lot, but I'm not sure exactly what I said. But it was a lot of little things, you know? It was a lot of little things. I had so many verses tonight. But I love you, and I'm cheering you guys on. Again, here's our 30-day Bible challenge. 
make sure you grab it before you leave tonight. It's going to be right up here. If you don't get it and you need me to text it to you, I'd be happy to do that, so just text me. But before we close the night, I do need to nominate someone else to speak next week for the five minutes of fire. So, Amzie couldn't be here tonight, but I still texted him today because I wanted, I wanted his input. So together we came to a decision. Would you guys like to know? You guys can give us a drum roll. This person, <laughs> this is person's first year at summer camp, which narrows it down slightly, just a little bit. But it just seemed only right that we nominate our camper of the year, Cooper Losey. <laughs> Cooper, do you accept the challenge? Of course, give it up for Cooper. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media. 